Welcome to the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, where we explore the hottest topics in cyber marketing, interview experts, and help you become a better cybersecurity marketer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing. I'm one of your hosts, Gianna Whitver, with my amazing co-host, Maria Velasquez. And today we're going to be talking about what to say when you don't want to touch a reptile. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's just a little pre-episode banter. We'll link to the video in the show notes. But what I'm really excited about and what we're really excited about is to have David Ebner on. He is the founder of Content Workshop, a storytelling and content studio. And we're excited to have you on today, David. Thanks for having me. So there's a lot of discussion right now around writing, the future of writing, the future of words, the written word, blogs, case studies, articles, and how AI is affecting all of this, right? Marketers are curious about AI. Writers are concerned about AI. What are your thoughts on chat GPT? Well, great. I'm glad we're starting here because I spent the number of hours I've spent since what, November or December when, when they launched. Talking about this has been endless. But yeah, I mean, it's like any great advancement in technology, right? At first, it's a little bit scary to some people. At first, it's a little threatening to the people whose jobs rely on the thing that's just now been advanced, right? Me being one of those people. But inevitably, if we throw up walls and we don't look at things as potential tools, these advancements are coming whether we like it or not. And you can lay down in front of the train or you can get on board, right? The question becomes, how do we utilize them in a way that both meets our needs, allows us to be better at what we do, but also doesn't infringe on the quality that we're concerned about? And I think that's the that's the big question with ChatGPT. I think people don't, most people don't really understand how the tool works, and I think when we pull down the layers and we understand better how the tool works, we understand how to best utilize it. It's really just a, and just, I say just as if it's not like a magnificent thing, but it's a, it's a natural language processing tool. So essentially there's a database of content that it's pulled and it's put it into this nice box. It's a lot of content in this box, right? Everything on the internet for a certain period of time, I'm guessing, I don't know for sure, right? It's in this box and what essentially it's doing is it's finding commonalities. What it's trying to do is tell you what's the most common word to follow a previous word in a, in a string of words based off of a prompt. So it's trying to give you probability. Now, you can do a lot of tweaks where you, you want to change things and you want it to be less probable. And it's really cool because you can actually ask ChatGPT to tell you how probable each word is and have it give you a bunch of options. A buddy of mine did one where he was asking, he wanted an apple, so he went to and let ChatGPT finish a bunch of different ways. The grocery store was the first most probable response. The mall was a response further down because... People could be wanting an Apple computer, and maybe you go to the Apple store for that. Oh, that makes sense. I was going to say, yeah, I get all my fruit at the mall. At the mall, like, sure. Why not? <laughs> the best place to get the freshest fruit, your local mall. <laughs> but so essentially, that's all we're, we're talking about here. And I don't know, for, for some content that's being developed, for some writing out there, the tool is 
great. It's perfectly fine. I can imagine a lot of products that just rely on volume, quantity over quality. They're playing a volume game and this might work. But for most B2B companies, for most with a, a prominent target audience, a known audience, let's say, when you're fishing with the lure and not a net, you're going to get a bunch of derivative, probably duplicative content to some degree, and maybe not even factually true content as we're finding out from using a tool like this. It doesn't mean that you can't start there. You can't ideate with a cool, a neat tool like this, bounce ideas off of it. But for most people working in, in the broader marketing space with the brands that we all interact with every day, it's probably more of a muse than it is an actual like replacement for writing. That was a really long diatribe about this. Obviously, I've been thinking about it a lot. So hopefully uh, that's helpful. So let's dig into how this affected or not affected or changed the way you create scopes for your clients. And then also take us through what is Content Workshop? What does your team do? What are you all superpowers? And then how this AI thing has changed maybe the way you do work for clients. Gotcha. Yeah, I'll take that in kind of reverse order. So Content Workshop, we're a storytelling agency. And every time I tell somebody that, they ask me, what the heck is that, right? But essentially, that's what we do is we help brands tell their story and utilize that function in which to drive new business. That's it in a nutshell, right? Most of the time, we're working with very uh, small and overworked marketing teams. Hint, hint, that's all of them. In the cyberspace specifically for one of our teams, works in that industry solely. But we help them tell their story and use it to leverage their goals, right? What are their goals? Sometimes the goal is to rank on Google, which is going to be changing with new AI tools. We'll talk, we can talk about that later. But uh, some of them, they need traffic. Some of them, the KPI is actual leads, right? Most people have to back in from the revenue and work their way forward, right? So we help companies do that by telling their story. We say that we take storytelling seriously and we have the student loan debt to prove it. All of our writers have master's degrees. Almost all of them are in the fine arts in creative writing like, like I do. A lot of our team members have fine arts degrees. And what we try to do is really apply those artistic skills that we've spent an entire lifetime honing and then you know apply them commercially for brands. And we started Content Workshop 10 years ago. We were just a collection of freelancers. And we said, let's start a company because people will hire us if we're a company and pay us more than if we were just individuals. And fortunately, that's true. It might still be true today. 10 years ago, it certainly was. So that's all we were. But we were artists. Even the graphic designers that we worked with, some of them were visual artists. And we found out that we can make money doing this and we can help people doing this moreover. So that's kind of our approach. It's where we start with everything is the story first. AI tools today, we're actually, truth be told, disclaimer, I guess, I've started a, a software company with one of my partners and we're developing some, some really neat content tools using AI as a AI supported content tools. We like to use that supported word pretty prevalently. AI right now, we cannot use it to write our content, unfortunately. It'd be really cool and easy if we could just yeah, save a lot of time and energy. The tool is not, it's not there. It's not there yet. Maybe it'll never be there. The one thing that AI can't do is have empathy. It can fake it, right? But empathy, by definition, is a human emotion. And if we're trying to really build shared emotional connections between the audience and the brand, it's going to be very hard to do that when one of the things creating it is not a human being. And I think part of that has to do with our experiences. We get to experience so many things through our lifetime. A lot of them have nothing to do with our job. Hopefully most of them have nothing to do with our job. I hope you all are out there living a life that has nothing to do with your job. But those experiences influence all of our decisions and they come to bear on the work that we do inevitably. We have ideas based off of something that we saw that's not 
relevant to our job, but it spurs something in the workplace. AI can't do that. It can't have all the experiences you had in life. Therefore, creativity is dulled down into something that's programmatic. And uh, I don't know, programmatic creativity doesn't sound very, might have been a good band name like in the 90s, but it's not <laughs> not going to work in a content marketing world. It's interesting because I think, like you just said, a lot of the work, and I've tried, like chat GPT, I was like, oh, I need to do a recap of something. Like, let me throw it into chat GPT or one of these other tools that utilize open AI's like big old language model to do whatever. And it does seem right now, at least that it kind of does lowest common denominator writing. It's kind of like SEO writing. It's like writing for SEO, nothing (laughs) writing for robots, robots writing for other robots. And of course, like you could take pieces of it or use it as a first draft. And when I worked at Votero, I would often outsource like first draft to usually writers, not to robots, but it's a place to start, but it usually doesn't produce the most interesting content is what I would say. There's not humor. You try to say like you, if you tell it to make a joke, the jokes aren't very good. Also, <laughs> Well, comedy, comedy is funny when it's at least slightly connected to truth. Right. And yeah. that's what makes us laugh at it. It's a little makes us a little nervous. We're a little nervous. So we laugh at it. Right. And I, I don't know how AI could effectively do that. I think you're right. I think you're right. There's a saying that has been attributed to many different writers over the years, but it's that my erasers far outlast my pencils. I literally, I've got a pencil here and the eraser's about to go and look how long the pencil is. And it's because editing is the real job. Mm-hmm. Editing is the real job. Now, a great writer is going to edit on the fly while they're writing. They're going to do a little bit as they go. Although we're always trained very back in the early days is to just get words on the paper. Hardest yep. job as a writer is to start writing. Get words on the paper. You can always edit it later. But after doing this for 10, 12, 15 years, you start to edit in your mind as you write. Right. However, you know, a tool like ChatGPT can be a great first draft tool. You're going to have to edit it a lot. And that might not save you any time, actual time. It might save you some brain space. Right. It is very taxing on the mind to write a great article in the B2B space. It's a limiting resource. That's why a lot of companies, there's not a lot of content-only agencies out there. There's a lot that'll do video work and design, but the copywriting as the core concept, and we're about 60% copywriting, the rest is design work that we do. They don't do it because there's a limiting factor of writing good copy because your mind can only work on so many pieces at once. In fact, most of our writers, they will only work on one piece at a time. And writing two articles that are optimized for search, meet a target audience, right, are creative Doing two of those in a day is nearly impossible in an eight-hour shift. I've tried. I was a blue-collar writer for many years, like just wrote, 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 and two in a day was tough. So with that being a diminishing ability, you know, a lot of people don't sell that service, which makes it difficult. Right. So tell us more about, just based on what we're talking about, which is like deep work, creativity, what is storytelling to you? Let's go into the nitty-gritty first, right? We did AI, we did like robots, we did all this, and now let's back up to the core premise of what your agency does and what you philosophize on, which is storytelling. Like, what is storytelling? Yeah, that's a, it's a great question. And I think we don't do this enough, right, Gianna? We don't step back and kind of look at the larger picture. And that's actually what storytelling. At least I don't in this I mean, podcast. I don't, I mean, yeah. Usually I start, <laughs> I, Maria so graciously was like, oh yeah, and tell us like, David, what the heck you do? I went right into to AI. <laughs> it's all so, good. 
it's what's on our mind, right? So storytelling is really, if you think about it, it is taking that step up as well. It's looking at the larger picture. It's the narrative arc of a piece of anything, right? A story can be told in any way, shape, or form. Stories have been told in many different ways over the generations. Today, we rely a lot on storytelling as a, an escape mechanism for entertainment, as I'm sure everybody here has binged something here, here or there. But you know, great storytelling really has to do with connection in my mind. And that's really what makes it a piece of art. If you can build that shared emotional connection, if you can have a target audience and have an emotion you want them to feel after consuming your story, that is truly the art form of storytelling. And for you as the viewer and reader to be able to take that story, feel that emotion, and then walk away with it. That emotion comes off the page. It comes off the screen with you and you can take it with you. And then at a later time, you can recall that piece of art, that story, and feel the same emotion again. That is true art, and that's true storytelling in my mind. Now, this is very philosophical, as you can imagine. Can you take that into the boardroom and, and talk to your CEO <laughs> as a CMO and say, hey, we need to get storytelling because of all of these things. They're going to say ROI, 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 right? In the end, you know, storytelling, again, is, is about connecting people. And I think great storytelling, to your point that you made earlier, is not about writing to the least common denominator. It's about elevating the audience, bringing them to a place that they weren't before reading it. We call it the three E's here, but we've got to entertain, we have to educate, and we have to engage. And every piece of content should do all three of those in that order. It's, it's a sad truth, but we're not writing term papers here. People aren't reading this just for educational purposes. They must be entertained. So word choice has a lot to do with that. Sentence structure has a lot to do with that. And then you can work on the other E's after you've effectively done that. That's really cool. What you just did is just the three E's right here in that last statement, right? That's actually really cool. It's very meta, Maria. It's like watching Inception. How far deep are we in the story here? <laughs> so what about what about those teams that do take a step back to think about their story and the why? How often should teams revise their story? Because I think it goes stale after a while, right? Yeah, it depends, right? It depends on how they view their story. It's very difficult to think of a story as a campaign because the second you start thinking of it as a campaign, you start bucketing it in timelines. Now, a, a story can be a part of a larger thing, and that can be the root that all the campaigns sprout out of. That's perfectly fine. But we start to limit it by time if we start to put it in like buckets, defined timeline buckets, right? And that's when it starts to feel stale because it feels like we've worked it to death, right? There are great stories out there that don't ever, I mean, think of just from an entertainment point of view. I recently finished the last season of Mandalorian, right? I'm a big Star Wars nerd. But like, what a great storyline written so many years ago with a target audience in mind. Star Wars was written for before it was bought by Disney, right? It was written for nerds, dorks, the geeks, right? That's who it was for. And they felt heard. And even to this day, you've got an audience that then has expanded, obviously, to broader. You bring in Baby Yoda, you get everybody. That's no longer just the, right? <laughs> you get mass appeal. <laughs> exactly. And that's now it's, it's open to everybody. So I think there's no wrong time to step back and think about the story if you haven't done it yet. There's nothing to say that a story has to be redefined. It can be refreshed, certainly. Look, I mean, Star Wars, again, I promise Disney's not paying for my appearance on this podcast. No, but, but they're paying uh, us now once we reach There you out. go. There you go. But they refresh that story all the time. They don't deviate from 
the larger narrative arc, though, right? They build a universe and they every story is within that universe. Oh, that's a great point. That's the universe. So maybe if you think about your company, like there is a universe for your company and then the stories that are in it, kind of like, you know, and I'm not a product marketer by training, but like brand narrative and then like within it, like use cases or personas or something. Is that a way to think about it, David? Or am I being too making it less interesting and making it more like prescriptive and technical? You know, Gianna, eventually it's got to get technical because how are you going to get an ROI from a theory, right? And so we've got to get into that nitty gritty eventually, right? So I think that's fair. And yeah, it's a great way to think about it. There's no one way, right? But inevitably, you've got to get down into tactics. We can talk about philosophy and strategy all day long, but tactics need to flow from that. And that's where the story really starts to generate business, right? Okay, so David, tell us, what is Content Workshop and how is it different than other agencies? Well, Content Workshop is a storytelling agency and we take storytelling seriously. We help brands tell their story effectively with specific marketing and business goals as the root. And we're not here telling stories for story's sake, although that sounds like fun and maybe we should do that as well. We're here to tell stories to meet business goals. We work with small and overworked marketing teams in the cyber industry use storytelling to reach business goals. That's it, that's what we do. As far as how we're different from other agencies, uh, that's for everybody else to decide. I think we are great, but we hire people with master's degrees in storytelling. We spend a lot of time on the strategy of content and we look at outcomes. Learn more about Content Workshop storytelling services for cybersecurity companies at contentworkshop.com. So in terms of changing mindset, of clients when you're pitching them that they should actually start telling stories versus just writing content or stuffing keywords and, and you know, and thinking just SEO and, and marketing ROI. What, what's the industry that's the, the hardest that gives you the most pushback on that? And maybe it's cyber? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. But, you know, you know uh, the, the ones that we've come across, to be honest, Usually people come to us already believing these things uh, to, to a broader point. I mean, honestly, we run a, an agency and there's a lot of less expensive and, pro- and good quality options for them to go to. If they don't believe in all of these things, there's probably a better place for them to go first. So we, we back in the day, though, when we first started, we were hustling. We were con- trying to convince everybody of that. Right. And that's a tough message to get across. I think we're it's easier today than it's ever been because everybody consumes content. When you can start to tie the experience of the person you're you're discussing it with to something that they already do and enjoy, like content, then it's easier to get them to make the leap to the the end result that you want to get, right? Yeah, build it for them. Everybody binges content. I don't care who you are. You can be, you know, this this cold individual that is very technical and 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 not emotional and and essentially a robot. You're still going home and watching a bunch of content. You're still binging stuff on YouTube. You're still watching Netflix, whatever the, choose your medium. It doesn't really matter, but they're all doing it. And we can, we can hear things all day long about how attention spans are shorter and shorter. I call BS on that. You know, if, if I can watch my, my son plays Valorant and he will play it for 12 hours straight. You cannot tell me. 
It's a video game. I don't even know, Gianna. People okay. can watch this and they're going to think that we're... I was like, what is it, a board game? Like- it's a video game. And, you know, and he loves the story. Why does he do it? He loves the story. It's not all just about shooting up, right? It's what is the story of these characters? And he wants to show me. It's like, look at this. This character has this backstory and their weapons move a different way and all this stuff. And I'm like, that's really neat. Let's go mow the lawn. It's usually the conversation we have. But he is 15, this generation probably consumes more content than any before it. So let's go back to the C-suite and try to convince them. Just talk about how engaging people makes loyal audiences. Loyal audiences make people think about your brand. People who think about your brand in a time of need are going to look for you for answers, right? That's the connection and flow. You know, it's a great example of this in cyber. It's the Verizon DBIR report. It is a massive report put out by Verizon every year data breach DBIR, data breach investigation report. And yes, it is early. (laughs) (laughs) And they have written it. It is such a hit. It is such a hit. And you know why? Because it's like 70 pages, but entertaining to read. Entertaining. Back to your first thing, David, the first thing you said, entertaining. They put jokes. It's funny. I don't know who, we got to get the person who writes it like on the show. It is a story about cyber. It is a series of stories about cyber that is funny and entertaining in this massive report. And it's also educational because it has a lot of statistics. It has the research that they've done. So exactly what you're saying, like people will consume content. We as cybersecurity vendors, like create these reports all day, every day. It's like, are they interesting? Are they educating? Are they entertaining even? Can you add entertainment into what you're doing already? Can you make something fun? or easy to consume, or snackable, or whatever, right? Make it an actual interesting and enjoyable thing instead of a dry, like, and then we, like, looked at our data diodes, and they had, Maria's making a face, we looked at our data diodes, and they had 7,000 gigabytes of of something. I don't know. I'm trying to be boring, and it's hard, actually, because data diodes are pretty cool. I was going to say, what do you mean, Gia? And that, so David, data diodes was basically the first cybersecurity product I actually worked at. They sold hardware security products. That's okay. Gotcha. But to your point, anything can be entertaining. Are you brave enough to walk away from just the facts, ma'am, to making this a piece, a story? The problem is, I think a lot of people are worried. Or they don't have a brand. That's probably more to the point. They don't have a brand that allows for that. Their brand identity is devoid of these things. And that's unfortunate because that's not the world we live in today. So courage and bravery come from the same root emotion, which is fear. So like we're all afraid of what the outcomes could be. Are we brave enough to try something different? Or are we are we going to just do what we've always done? Right? Great point. Wow. I feel like very like patriotic or something after you said that (laughs) yeah let's go buy some bonds let's go buy some u.s savings bonds and by the way not to defend data diodes but i just because you what you said we're back back on that Yeah, we're back on that just because it, it made me think of a video that we did actually because at the time we realized you know not a lot of people understand what a data diode is 
And so we got an agency and we created this whole like really funny video where it went from two people to another two people talking about what the data diode is. But we made it into like a really funny sort of plot. So yeah, you can definitely find fun in the most boring products or the most boring industries if you just open your mind. There you go. David, what are some of the maybe things that your team has done for cyber companies that you're proud of, that you feel really imbue story or creativity or, or making it not just about the facts that resulted in great results for you, the people and the clients you work for? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it still comes down to the traditional mediums, right? The traditional mm-hmm. business mediums. Right, because you guys do content. So yeah, that's what we do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not like, yeah, we all got in like in data diode suits and then we ran around the building, right? It is content, so go go ahead. Although we, we do have those ideas sometimes. <laughs> you know, I think case studies are probably the the one thing that are misused most. And not just in cyber, but in every space. But because we just want to say Here's what happened, and here's how I helped somebody, right? The brand is saying, here's how I helped somebody. We're not really getting into the story of the audience there, right? We're not telling the hero's journey, right? That's the problem. So we've taken an approach to case studies specifically, any type of testimonial, where we really try to live in the life of the individual, the individual, not the brand. Leads are people. I think that's the one thing that I've learned the most across this time frame is that we, we think of leads as companies. We think of leads as revenues. Leads are people. We'll circle back on that later. But taking that person's pain point, what was the day like when they were really at their wits end about this pain point and how did they search for a solution? How did they come to this brand as a potential solution? What was the relationship like? The relationship of working with this brand, with this company to solve a problem. Well, how did it feel to have that problem solved? And then what were the outcomes? How is this person's life better now? right? That lives in any type of content. Case studies is the easiest way to tell that story, right? I think too much we get formulaic with a case study that's just like one page, which is fine. If you have to get it across in that small medium, then great. But it is the best story you could possibly tell, which is somebody's hero's journey of using your product or solution. Let's call them solutions because that's what they are. They're solving problems. And the outcomes that they get, the benefits that they get, how their life is better, how their aspirational goals were met, how it saved them money, whatever it may be, right? I think that's the best way to do it across all. Again, that's not cyber specific, but I think we lean way too much on facts because we have a lot of great facts to share. And the facts are important and the stats are important. They're extremely important. It's just about how we break them out and tell them in a human way, right? Exactly. 40% increase in whatever, like how and why and like, can we make it interesting and make it about what you will experience when you also use our product and not about are cutting edge, leading edge, zero edge, trusted. Jargon here. Insert yeah. jargon here. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Can we step away from that for a minute? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's really important. What's your philosophy on that, on, on buzzwords when creating content? I don't like I mean, I just hate buzz, which is interesting because storytelling and marketing is a buzzword, right? It's been for quite some time. We throw it around. It's like a dirty rag, right? But it's oh not. Oh, my God. <laughs> we do. We, we kind of like wave that flag, like a false flag, right? This storytelling flag. Buzzwords don't mean anything to the individual typically reading it. All it does is an association where it's like a symbol. It symbolizes something, but does it actually say something? Typically, no. Typically, it's been used so much that it's now, it's like uh, I watched the, yes, you watch The Office? Mm-hmm. 
Of course, everybody does, right? Uh, it's my comfort show. My wife and I watch it as we're going to bed every night. But Michael Scott, right, he sends all of his emails as important. So because they weren't, people weren't reading the emails. Now there's an important one, important two, important three. There's different levels of importance, but we, we get snow blindness, right? We get blind to the, the things that we are hit with too often. So buzzwords, I would veer away from buzzwords, make things simple, but engaging. Simplicity always will win the day. We have a saying over here and we stole it from many writers before, but it's, I, I would have made it shorter if I only had the time. It's much harder to write something shorter than it is to write something long. Being concise is difficult. That's so true. One follow-up to that. What about tone? What's your philosophy on tone? Do you write like you speak? Do you recommend to clients that they change their tone to more simple, less? Yeah, it really depends on the brand, I think. One of my designers once told me that a brand, a brand lives in the hearts and the minds of the viewer. That's all a brand is. It's not a logo. It's not a color. It's not a whatever. But when somebody sees it, you have as many brands as there are people who see your content because they all have a personal connection with it. And that feeling is what the brand is. So I think tone has a lot to do with that. It can come down to it's really word choice when we get down to it. Right. Sentence structure and word choice have a lot to do with the tone, which is going to develop that emotional connection with the individual. So I think the tone it has to match that. The tone has to match the content itself. You can have hue a tone can have hues right if we're talking about something serious even though our brand is a jovial brand doesn't mean that we should negate how serious this content is right but words have shades right i think that's the problem we face a lot is that we think the english language is one of the best tools on the planet because there's so much variety combining two words together putting two words next to each other word choice is almost infinite in the english language so i, I think from a tone point of view i think it's important to have a brand identity figured out first and foremost, both visual and voice, right? We've got to figure those two things out. We should have a tone of voice, some sort of guide. We use these words. We don't use these words. Here's why. Here's why it's important. Because if, if all we have is a dictionary and we don't really understand why we made these choices, then when we have to make a new choice that is not clearly identified in the dictionary, we are going to be looking at a blank page. So anyway, I, that's a roundabout way of saying like brand identity really comes first. Then I think that tone can be adapted thereafter, but not to negate the actual content itself with tone. So there's really no answer to your question. I'm sorry. But, no, no uh, that's cool. My, most of the time, my, my answers to marketing questions is it depends. So that's exactly what you just did. And I respect <laughs> that because it is. <laughs> would have been a lot faster if I just said that. Yeah. <laughs> David, are there any brands in cyber that you admire for or you think are like doing a good job in telling a good story and having an amazing adaption of tone to take into account the brand, but also the circumstances? Is there anyone you think is doing a great job? Well, of course, the ones working with us are doing. No, I'm just kidding. But they are. <laughs> One company that that does, again, disclaimer, they do work with us, but key factor has been somebody I've grown to admire from a brand point of view. We work with their content team developing a few pieces here and there, some content strategy stuff. But things that they even produced before we worked with them were fantastic. They just laid this vision out and they've executed on it, right? From a visual point of view, they just went through a brand refresh. I don't know if, if y'all saw that. It was, it was fantastic how they rolled that out. That is very hard to do and they did it very well. The way they're thinking, they even wrote a comic book. They wrote a comic book to tell the story 
of their brand in a degree. That is getting creative and exciting. It's moves like that that excite me, really, that move toward entertainment as content and not shying away from interesting new approaches. So yeah, I, I mean, I have a lot of affinity for that that type of approach. And there's many brands that do that. I'm never going to do justice to naming all of them here today. That one stands out in my mind as one well. And, and I'll admit, we didn't work with them on that on that comic book or their brand refresh. So I think it's fine to, to say that I, I admire what they did there. That's amazing. Yeah. And Key Factor is a member of our society. So oh, hi, great. Key Factor team. So I think we're getting towards the game part of our show, which is the most is sometimes the most fun. Before we do that, I do want to tell people what the heck the reptile thing was about. So we'll put a link in the show notes. When we edit this podcast, we use a keyword pineapple because it's easy to search for the word pineapple in the transcript in case you need to go back and edit something. You know, if someone screws up or gives away a government secret, you just say pineapple <laughs> and we edit it out. And apparently there's an old video of Steve Irwin with a man who is, how about you explain it, David? I think it was from The Tonight Show. I don't know how old this video is, but it's from The Tonight Show. And they, they had one of their correspondents from the, the Tonight Show was like going out to meet animals with Steve Irwin. And if he was afraid, he, he could say pineapple and Steve Irwin would back off with the animal. And he's just screaming pineapple the whole time <laughs> at the top of his lungs in repetition. It's great comedy. It's great comedy. So we'll include a link to that in the show notes. And congratulations on the Easter egg for everybody who listened to this far this point. (laughs) All right. So, David, we're going to play our game. Our game is we are going to guess what you would be doing if you were not the owner of a content agency. And you know what? I think it's fair to say not a writer at all. So we can't say author because that is obviously the first thing both of us probably would think of. So we got to think of something else. Maria, do you want to go first? This is going to be really hard. That was a really prolonged gosh. That was, yeah. (laughs) Why do you think it's going to be hard, Maria? Give me some backstory here. Because I usually get some sort of like vibe from our guests, right? And I I think you could be doing this. But with you, I think your aura is a little too deep. It's hard to feel that onion. I think there is so much you could be so good at just from the wisdom that you've given us in this one hour or 45 minutes. And I think that you do have this persuasive thing to you, right? You could definitely sell anything and uh, you would make a good salesperson. So I think I'm going to go that route. I think you could be in sales, not necessarily tech, sales, whatever. I think just in sales in general. Oh, I love that, Maria. Okay, so... My thoughts range from owner of a coffee shop to politician to professor. So, and I know you live on the beach or near the beach, right? So maybe you like would charter a deep sea fishing boat. No, I am not fishing for expressions from David also. It's not cheating. I'm going to go with what I think would be the most fun which is owning a coffee shop on a boat that you dock at a port and then people have to like walk onto the boat to like get coffee, but it's in like St. Pete Harbor or something or Dunedin Harbor, whatever. So there's lots of foot traffic and you become a big Instagram sensation. Oh, Oh And very successful. See, this is the beauty about Gianna is that not only she's going to guess, but she's going to lay out the entire business plan for you. I appreciate that. Well, we'll circle up. Cost of goods sold is... (laughs) Just so do you, do you all want do you all want me to I don't know break some of the guys a little bit here? Yeah, yeah. Which which one of us did like terribly? Neither of you. So Maria, I actually 
head up all sales for our company. I'm involved in every sale. So I actually do that a lot. I actually probably spend more time on that in the finances than anything else. So that was a great, a great guess because I, I do that every day. Gianna, I actually, my family used to own a coffee roasting company and we had a, a cafe. Have on a boat? Was it on a boat? It wasn't on a boat. No, it wasn't on a boat. We had a little kiosk at a, an outlet mall and we sold our cold brew to people as they. Oh, that's and freaky. that's where you that also got your fruit too, right? My fruit. I'm sorry. I'm making a joke about the apples at the beginning oh, of the conversation. Oh, look at you tying <laughs> it back. She's look at you. Storytelling for I really purple. like. I really like that. Aren't you proud? I to hear you say we owned a coffee shop and fruit stand and at fruit an stand. outlet mall. And we sold apples at a mall of all places. No, that all sounds exciting. I keep joking with my wife that someday I'll get back to coffee. I started that when I was in in college, uh, roasting coffee with like a popcorn popper, and then we we went up to an actual roaster and a warehouse and all of that, and then I got busy with my this career and we sold it. But yeah, that coffee is, I actually have a hat. I got to send you a picture of the hat. I've got a hat that is got coffee on it. That's anyway, so awesome. I'm big, I'm big into it. Yeah. What was the name of the coffee roasting company? It was called Lectores Coffee, which to tie back, we actually, on the back of all of our coffee bags, we published poems and short stories. And the idea was to entertain readers while they enjoyed their morning cup of joe. That's so cool. So it still ties back to storytelling, y'all. And I have I've written a book, so I am an author already. Like there's all everything to your point, Maria. I think maybe I'm just a beacon of story or I can't escape the Right, aura. right. Yeah. I it was it was definitely really hard to read you. But I mean, hey, we both guessed creepily really well. too well. <laughs> yeah. It's it's kind of creepy. Winner? Who's the winner, David? There's no, there's, we're all winners here. God damn it. Who's the fucking winner? Look at, there's like, no, there's, we, how could as we, I anybody, like make this explicit. How could <laughs> there be like a, a loser? Now you sound like a politician. The winner, yeah. you know what, Gianna, the winner is the audience who gets to watch damn it, and read I hate this and shit. listen to this podcast. <laughs> and those that we get to see, I'll be at um, your CyberCon event in December. The ones that sure I will. get to meet in person. I'll be the winner because I get to meet those people. Okay. All right. So I'm going to say that I won it. Thank you. <laughs> no. Because, yeah, well, mm, all right. Maria, fine. You won it. Tie. It's a tie. <sighs> I don't like a tie. I need a win here. It's You're a American. winning year. Can't, there's, we don't tie. We're Americans. There's always a winner, right? It gets ugly, David, on this game between her and I. I think, do we have to get a cardboard cutout of the of the loser or the winner if you lose? No. Was that what we said? No, the loser will hold a cardboard at Cyber Marketing Con saying, I lost at this game and just hold it up the entire three days. Oh, yeah. Like that meme of the guy holding like an opinion up on the street, but it just says, I lost I, I, and I'm a loser. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, David, tell us. Tell the listening, viewing audience, which are who are all winners. Congratulations, guys. Where they can find you, and how can they can reach out about storytelling services with Content Workshop? Yeah. So, contentworkshop.com is a great place to find me. We have built a specific landing page for all of the cybersecurity folks out there, which you can get to a lot of different ways. You'll find that on social media. You're going to find that on the cyber site as well, too, in the partnership page. They can connect with us there. I actually have a meeting link on that page, so you can schedule time to talk with me one-on-one. I am such a nerd for content and story and all of this. I get excited about – that's why I still do the sales. I get to talk about content all day long. So I love to just chat with you about what's going on with your brand or just as an individual. If you don't want to talk about your brand at all, we can just talk about you and your career and things like that. It's what lightens my day. So schedule a time to meet with me, even if it's just to meet and for no other purpose. Thank you, David. 
Again, definitely inspiring. I can't wait to re-listen to this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for telling us about Content Workshop and your awesome team. We can't wait to see you in person at Cyber Marketing Con later this year and get you in front of the rest of our community. There's, I think, a lot that they could take away and learn from your experience. For our listeners, thanks for joining us today. And remember, there's a brand new episode that drops every Wednesday. Make sure you subscribe so you can get the alert. And make sure you give us as many stars as you can so we can continue making this awesome content and storytelling. Right, David? That's right. (laughs) See you all next time. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.